Welcome to The Community is Our Mineral Name podcast, brought to you by Grandpa's Community Health for you, your family, and our community. My name is Gareth Oliver, and this week we are talking NDIS and support coordination. I am joined by Susan Power, who is one of our NDIS support coordinators. Susan has probably forgotten more than most people know about the NDIS, and we talk all about the NDIS. Uh, just some basic info, how do you get onto the NDIS, how does it work, how do, how do things get paid for, and then we also talk a bit about her role as a support coordinator, what a support coordinator does, and how that can help a person with an NDIS plan. Now, as we know, the NDIS is constantly changing, constantly seems to be in the news, so I thought it would be good to have some clear and concise info out there for anyone who isn't sure about how the NDIS actually works. This is the Community is a Mental Name podcast. Brought to you by Grandpa's Community Health for you, your family, and for our community. This week, I am joined by Susan Power, who is a support coordinator for the NDIS here at Grandpa's Community Health. Susan, I know you have a, a lot of stuff on during the week, so I really appreciate you giving up a bit of time to have a chat. Hi, Gareth. Yes, no worries at all. Thanks for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. When we talked about doing a podcast about the NDIS, Susan was the first person I, I thought of because she has probably forgotten more than most people know about not just the NDIS, but about being a support coordinator. So, Susan, can you tell us how you got into the role of support coordination and what's your background? Um, so, my background is, you know, basically in um, in aged care and disability. So, I've been around in those roles for a number of years, just um, mainly in you know, supporting people to access community um, in groups and that sort of stuff. So it was quite interesting when NDIS came along and um, the support coordination was something that really appealed to me. So I started, you know, five or six years ago doing some support coordination when NDIS kicked in and um, it's been unfolding ever since and quite interesting, big learning curve, um, NDIS is quite challenging for people to um, unpack and understand, but, you know, it's always good when I get um, a plan and people understand the plan and we can unpack it and make it work for somebody. So you mentioned NDIS. You've been doing it for about five years. I, I remember when it rolled out in this part of the world because it was a staggered rollout, of course. What were the changes you saw when we went from the old system onto the NDIS? Look, I've seen a lot of um, confusion initially. People people were a little bit confused about what their plan was and what it meant for them and how to access it and unpack it. Um, but I've also seen a lot of really great stuff come out of it. So people that, you know, people that had sort of sat on the outside of disability services um, and had never really accessed any type of service, but then got their plan and they were then, you know, they had goals to meet and so their goals were getting met through these plans and, you know, some of the, sometimes there were some awesome outcomes and there still is. Um, so, you know, the, the difference 
was that, you know, um, so people with mental health issues, you know, they, they really did sit on the outside of, of what they were, you know, of services. So with an NGIS plan, they can have a goal and we can try to meet that goal. And, and that seems to be, you know, real, really working for those people. Because that's what the NDIS is, isn't it? It's, it's very much mm-hmm. goal-driven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So people um, have goals within their plan. So when they first do their plan, they, they get goals written into the plan. And then the money that's allocated to them within the plan is allocated to, um, you know, help to meet those goals. You know, we see that happen quite a bit where people are meeting their goals. And then when they do the next plan, that goal may disappear and a new goal will come along. Um, but people don't always have support coordination, um, but the ones that do, that's our job, is to help them meet their goals within their plan. So if someone was just starting on the NDIS, if someone's just found out that they've got a, or a family member has got a disability mm-hmm. and they're eligible to, to be part of the NDIS, to be a, um, a participant, what are the steps for that person in, in getting an NDIS plan? Um, so they need to go along to their GP or um, their um, psychiatrist or whatever, you know, is leading their care. Um, and there is a form available that, and most of those people have those forms, or you can pick one up from the NDIS office or from us. And that gets filled out by the, um, the GP or the specialist and any supporting documentation of the disability um, would need to go along with that as well to NDIS. They actually have a look at that and then they decide whether you're eligible to do a plan. So if you are and you're accepted to the NDIS, then um, you're given a date to have a plan done for you with one of our local area coordinators, um, of which we have a few around here, but a few um, would pick it up maybe from Warrnambool or Horsham. Um, it doesn't matter where they sit, um, they're all, they all do the same jobs. So they devise the plan with the person and looking at their goals um, and then that's sent off to a planner and the planner actually does the plan and ratifies what needs to be in there. And then they may get or may not get support coordination. Um, so the plan then goes back to them um, and they um, they try, you know, unpack it and, uh, and get their services in. So what's the time frame <laughs> for that, Susan, generally? Look, you know, I think if, if you've got your supporting documentation to go to your GP or whoever will write that application for you, then um, I think, you know, it happens reasonably quickly. You know, I've seen someone get, you know, get their, um, they're able to, to go through to get their plan and, you know, probably they've got their plan within six to eight weeks. Okay, so but that's you, not everybody, you know. It's everybody's different, so it might. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like a lot of things, it depends on the availability of service providers and stuff as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, what what type of things can people get from their NDIS plan? Well, as I said, they're all based on their goals. So if someone were to have a goal of, um, you know, wanting to get out in community, um, make friends, attend, you know, groups that, that, that may meet their needs, then, um, you know, that, that's perfectly possible. So we would put, you know, in, 
put in a, a support worker that would help with the person getting there with the goal of, you know, that being that support for them to get there, get involved, get included, and then slowly withdraw that, you know, that support worker so that they are building their capacity towards that goal and making sure that they can, you know, manage to get there on their own and manage to stay there and um, get back home again. So um, that might be something. Um, goals in there may also be that, you know, they want to be... Um, Perhaps if they have a physical disability and they want to get um, some, you know, aids and equipment that will help with them being able to get out and about or being able to go to appointments or things like that. So, um, you know, that might mean that we do an OT assessment and they are able to get some sort of aid that will assist with their community access or their, you know, just their everyday um living, being able to go and do their shopping or being able to go and pay their bills. You know, there may be, most of the goals and most of the money is set around capacity building and building people's capacity within their life to um, to do, you know, what they want to do and, and do it well. Um, so it might be like we have um, someone who needs to learn how to cook. Um, or be able to cook um, for themselves. So, you know, that means, you know, once again an OT assessment and then, you know, some support staff going in and, and cooking with them and writing recipes and, um, you know, making sure that they are able to cook their dinner or their lunch um, or even their breakfast just to start and then, you know, work on that. And, you know, within 12 months that goal might be met. They might be able to cook enough to, you know, keep them going. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so those sorts of things. And that, that stuff you're talking about, the NDIS funding pays for the staff. Because I, I remember when NDIS came in and there was a bit of confusion about what the NDIS actually paid for. People thought it would pay for basically everything. Um, but in a situation like you're talking about, or even a situation with community access where if you were going to take uh, a person to the football, for example, um, it, it wouldn't pay for the person to get into the football, would it? It would just pay for the, the worker. No, um, it doesn't. So basically, you know, it would pay for the person to take the – pays the person to take the um, participant to the football. The participant would be um, – expected to pay for the the support to get into the football um and himself and themselves um and anything that they wanted within within that um football you know like if they wanted to grab whatever they needed a coke or a pie or whatever they would need to pay for that um no so ndis would only pay for the supports to get there um because you know and there was always the the words are reasonable and necessary um, around NDIS. Um, so, you know, even with, you know, I've had a child who wanted to play basketball and that's fine, you know, but, you know, NDIS come back and said, well, everybody's child wants to play basketball and that's a choice. It's not something that we can fund. So, you know, do you know what I mean? So, you know, if, if my child wanted or your child wanted to play basketball, we have to pay for that. So, um, and it wasn't something that was, you know, payable by um, NDIS. So, yeah, the, the rules are very clear around that. Um, I've got uh, a young person who's going to a concert 
and needs to be supported to go. So she's bought two tickets, one for her and one for the support worker to be able to go to the concert. Um, and the support worker will support her for the whole time that she's there, you know, for her travel and, and, and everything. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's a pretty fluid system then, DIS, isn't it? There's, it's constantly changing. Have you seen changes for the better over the five or so years you've been doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, there's definitely changes for the better. I think um, also the, the commission, there's, there's some stuff coming out of that which will push some changes in NGIS as well. But there's definitely been some changes around service provision, um, definition within NGIS um, because it, it, sometimes it was a bit blurry um, and it, very blurry for people like, you, you know, if you got a plan tomorrow and read it, you would go, what? I don't understand what it means. So, yeah, I think that clarity is a bit better for people. Um, I still have, you know, you still hear of people who have had a plan for nine months and done nothing with it because they didn't understand what to do without support coordination. Um, so I don't know that that's changed um, all that much. But um, for us, you know, there's definitely, it's definitely more fluid and more and easier to use now, I believe. So would that be the biggest barrier for people who don't have support coordination, for example, or even if they're not sure what support coordination actually is, is that understanding? Um, is it simple enough for, for, and you know, I'm not meaning this in a derogatory way when I say simple, yeah. but is it, is it, uh, simple enough for people to, to understand, especially people with an intellectual disability, if they get sent this plan, because it gets sent directly to the, to the person. Um, is that the biggest barrier? Is that, that understanding of, of what they can actually access? Yeah, I think it is. If they haven't got support coordination, it's really, really difficult for people to understand um, uh, what what it actually all means and how they can access those supports. Um, you know, it's um, it's not easy. To, you know, you get a plan, and within that plan, it might say, "Oh, you know, you can have your capacity buildings for this amount of money." But what does that mean for the person, you know? Um, the person will look at that and go, I don't really understand what that means. So, yeah, that that's really difficult, I think, for people. Um, and, look, you know, it, it's about them reading at the top who their lack is or who the person is that they can go to within the NGIS and, and ring them up, you know, ring NGIS and say, I need to speak to this person. And it's their job to help them unpack it if they haven't got a support coordinator. Has it become clearer over the years, do you think, or is it still just as jargony? Uh, the, the plans themselves that go out to the participants, I feel, are still the same. <laughs> you know, they say they're in, in easy English, and yes, they are, but I think it's the content that is, you know, that people don't understand. So even as a support coordinator, sometimes I've got to read it twice and think, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> What have they got in there and where does that sit? So it's all different, it's all broken up into different types of, um, you know, different boxes. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, so that's, you know, that fits with that. And there's figures all the way down and, you know, you think, oh, wow, there's a lot of money in there. But when you look at the services that it could provide, then, you know, it's it's often, you know, adequate, but they're definitely not um Overly adequate, yeah. So, so when we talk about about services, we talk about pricing. How would a participant, one who perhaps doesn't have support coordination, know how much 
uh, a service might cost, how much it might cost them to have someone come in and teach them to, or to assist them to cook or to, to take them to the football or the movies or whatever. How would, how would that person find that information out? They go to the NGIS website and there's a price guide on there. So um, we've found, though, the first few years price guide stayed for 12 months and the last few years price guide has changed every six months. So a new price guide will come out every six months. It's on the website to access. Um, also, you know, if they have plan management, they can go through their plan manager um, and speak to them about that. So then that depends who that might be. But they've got to set that up within their plan as well, which is what we would do. Um, they would choose a plan manager and um, then they would um, work with them with their money. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it would be quite confusing for them. Um, to, and, but to get the price guide, even the price guide, <laughs> it's, um, it's quite intense and um, there's a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, and to find what you're looking for is um, can can you know, be quite challenging for some people, I'm sure. Some days it's challenging for us as support coordinators to find what they're looking for in there. Um, but, um, yeah, it is available if people wanted it. Yeah. So after the break, we'll talk a bit more about support coordinators, but you mentioned plan managers. For people who maybe aren't sure, what's the difference between a support coordinator and a plan manager? We, as support coordinators... Uh, responsible for making sure that all of your supports are there and all of your supports are um, relevant to your goals and your capacity building. Your plan manager is the person who manages the money side of the plan. So they would deal with all the invoices that come in and everything to do with paying. Like they're like the person who pays the bills. Um, so they look after all the money within the plan and um, manage the NDIS with, with that side of things. So that's not our job. We, we do do a budget as, plan, as support coordinators because we do need to know, you know where people are at and make sure we don't overspend and that people lose their plan. Um, but, you know, we, if there's a plan manager involved, I, work, I often, you know, work with them make sure that everything's up to speed and we're not overspending or underspending and try and, um, yeah, get everything right for the person. And the, the, the participant doesn't have to have plan management either, do they? No, they don't. Um, so they can be NDIA managed, which means that everything would go through the NDIA, so they manage the money, um, or they can be um, they can manage their own money, uh, which some people do. You know, some people manage their plants um, and they manage them very, very well. Uh, that would probably be the least people. People take the, that option as the least. But um, then there's NDIA managed and then then um, plan manage. Plan manage gives you a much better option as far as you have more options to choose from because if you're NDIA managed, that means you, you, that the people you use have to be registered. Um, so a lot of providers aren't registered with NDIA. Um, it, so that you know that means that they can't provide service. Um, but if you're plan managed, you can sh- you can choose a lot of other people to provide your services. Yeah. And those people, even if they're not registered with NDIS, and as you mentioned, a lot of yeah. people aren't, and a lot have mm. deregistered from NDIS over mm. the, the years, they still have to charge according to the price guide for someone on an NDIS plan. Is that right? Um, they can negotiate. 
um, prices. Um, they can't go over the price in the price guide, but they can negotiate. So, you know, they can say, well, you know, the price guide might be 56 bucks an hour. They can say, well, I'll do it for 50. Yeah, and that, that's an agreement, a service agreement with the participant that they will then draw up and um, provide the service. Um, uh, you know, probably a good example of this is, um, you know, being able to choose is, um, I'm working with someone at the moment who needs confidence aids and is able to get them from the local chemist who isn't, isn't, um, you know, a, um, provider, but, you know, that, that's a choice that they wanted to make rather than having them delivered in a big truck. So, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that works really well. So the invoice just goes to plan management. Whereas if they were, NDIA managed then they would have that choice because the chemists aren't registered as an NDIA provider. NDIS provider, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we might take a really short break and then uh, we'll have a chat about the role of a support coordinator and, and uh, what you do during the day, Susan. And I can tell everyone listening that Susan does heaps during the day. So there should be, should be plenty to come out of this. So stick around for the next bit. is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across the Grampians Wimmera region of Western Victoria, servicing the following local government areas, Northern Grampians Shire Council, our rural city, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Nariambiak Shire, Central Goldfields, Southern Grampians and Bullock Shires as well. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS, plan management and support coordination, counselling across a wide range of sectors, gambler's help, community mental health and much, much more. For more information, go to our website, which is gch.org.au or give us a call Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, 5358-7400 or visit one of our offices in Ararat, Stall or Horsham. Grampians Community Health is proud to present the Community is Our Middle Name podcast, and we're also proud to be here for you, your family, and for our community. Welcome back. Susan Power is with me this week. Susan is a support coordinator here at Grampians Community Health, working in the NDIS field. Before the break, we spoke a bit about the NDIS and we spoke a bit about how people might get on NDIS. And we also mentioned support coordination quite a bit and Susan is a support coordinator. So Susan, what exactly is a support coordinator and what is your role and how do you assist the person who has the NDIS plan who uh, has come to you and said, um, I'd like GCH, for example, to be our support coordinators? Yep, so the person gets the plan, um, they've got support coordination in there and then they choose a provider. So we are a provider. Um, there are a number of other providers around um, and I, I'm hoping they'll do their homework. Um, so they'll choose a provider um, that comes to GCH and then we're allocated our, our um, participants. Um, and so then I would have a read of the Hopefully they shared the plan when they've signed up um with us, um, some people don't, and that's okay. So we we um, go out and have a visit, have a look at the plan, see what's um, in there, what goals they have, what the NGIS have 
um, allocated for them and then we sit down and have a chat about how we're going to unpack it and what that's going to look like. So um, have a chat and uh, we look at the, look at the um, goals and we go, well, you know, this is how we can do that. This is what I can put in. These are the choices of the providers that can provide that for you. Um, so, you know, we might give them four or five different providers to say, well, this is what everyone provides, which, you know, um, can include Grampians Community Health if we, we do that um, service. Um, and then, you know, they'll have a look at all of those um, people, either the person or their significant others and carers. And we do include significant others and carers because they are important um, in people's lives and they need to help make decisions sometimes around person's uh, services. So, you know, I, I have um, one lady who doesn't, you know, just can't communicate. Um, she doesn't speak, so her mum is very active in helping with her service provision and what, what she needs. Um, so we do that. So we, we talk to them about all the sections of their plan and get, you know, hopefully get them to understand um, what all of, all of that gas that's in the plan, you know, that they've read and gone, I don't know what this means. Um, we try to un- get them to understand all of that. We give them all the options. They choose some serv- a service provider to go with each section of the plan. So then our job is to come back to do a request for service to those providers, um, which is a form that we fill out and we, we put in all the detail of what we need, the costings of what this will cost, um, and that goes off to the provider. So someone might um, choose Pinnacle to provide their services. So we do a request for service over to Pinnacle. Pinnacle then come back to us with a quote um, and we get that signed off and they, they manage their own service agreements and things like that um, with the person and then the the, um, the service goes in. Uh, so a number of services can go into a person when the plan's unpacked. Um, and for me, I like to, that's usually the hectic time and people get a little bit confused because they've got all these people coming into their house and things happening, you know. I try to sort of stagger them a little bit and I, you know, get the ones in I know are going to go in first and then, you know, often OTs and things can't go in for three to three to six months sometimes, you know, they've got a wait list. So, um, you know, as they stagger out over three or six months, I just keep in touch and make sure that they're going in, keep in touch with the provider and make sure everything's going okay. Um, and if, if you know, someone's gone in and the person doesn't like them, then they can ring me and say, look, I don't actually like this service, so can we change it? And that's perfectly okay. So we change the service or change the person that's providing the service. So maybe it just might be someone that they don't, you know, get on with or that, you know, and that's perfectly okay. We don't always get on with everybody. So um, we that's our responsibility. Um, so from that too, we also do a little bit of a budget around that plan and make sure that we're keeping up with, you know, that the people aren't um, missing out on um, anything and aren't overspending on the budget. Um, sometimes that, you know, that we do some introductions as well. So we might go out with one of the participants, to the participant and introduce them to the new service and things. So 
it's about making sure they're comfortable with what they're getting to meet their goals. And just because someone has support coordination with Grampians Community Health, for example, or with, you know, Pinnacle or with Villa Maria or whichever provider, doesn't mean you have to use that provider's services, does it? No, no. So, um, oh gosh, no. So we, um, we have to be very careful as a provider of both direct support and uh, support coordination because, yeah, definitely we, we can't sit there and say, well, you know, you have to have GCH direct support because they're the best. <laughs> that, that's definitely crossing the line. I mean, we, we would provide every other provider, every other support that there is and be as positive about each one of them as we are about GCH um, because we, you know, that's just the way it is. We have to do that. So That's mandated, isn't it? It is mandated, yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, and we're very aware of that. Um, so we, we, we very much, um, and look, you know, we've got support coordination from Horsham and way beyond right through to, you know, right through to Marina, you know, Snake Valley, you know, Sonata. Like we're, we've got a big area, um, and a lot of support, a lot of different um, agencies that are able to provide support. So, you know, uh, we definitely have a list and we, we will offer people what's on the list. Um, so, yeah. And give our opinions about them, you know, as, as best to our, of our ability because people will say, well, what are they like? I've never heard of them. <laughs> you know, um, and they haven't heard of a lot of them because they haven't had a plan before or, you know, they're new, new, there's a lot of new providers around. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they would not have heard of them. So, yeah. So, Susan, let's say someone's got, got their plan and mm-hmm. all of a sudden something happens and their mobility goes from, you know, regular ambulant mobility to down to to really being reliant on mobility aids but they don't have that in their plan so what what would you do then if they rang you up and said susan this has happened um i, I now need to a, a wheelie walker or a, a wheelchair yeah no that's fine so basically what would happen is i would do a change circumstance form um back to ngos with supporting evidence around the decline in ability um, which might be, you know, we get the OT back in to write a report around what's happening for that person and what she thinks they may need or he thinks what they may need. So that, that would go into NGIS. There's always room to um, have a review of the plan. So they may review the whole plan or they may just review the part that is relevant to the change in the person's abilities. So, you know, that might mean that they may review the AT's part of the plan, which is assistive tech, and say, well, do you know what? Um, yeah, look, he, he's gone from being able to manage with a walker or manage with whatever to being able to have a wheelchair or um, some other sort of device. So, um, yeah, look. I've found that to be a good change within within NGOs. They used to just do the whole plan, and now they're actually just doing parts of the plan that relate to the change of circumstance, which makes it much easier. And that seems to happen fairly quickly too. How would you go if someone's plan was due to run out in, say, two months, but they can't get into CNOT for six months? What would you do in that situation? Well, look, you can't do much about it. You just got to try and find an OT. Um, 
you know, we found through COVID that, um, especially psychosocial, found that a lot of the OTs that were managing mental health closed their books. Um, and it was, you know, that was it. Like we couldn't get an OT for psychosocial in Ballarat or surrounds for months and months. I'm not sure if they've opened their books again because I haven't needed one. But, um, and the OTs up here are just, um, so, so busy. Like it is really, um, really hard to get an OT up here. Where, you know, like three months is sort of like the minimum that we're waiting. But, you know, they're great. They really do put in a big effort. If we have, um, anyone that needs, you know, something straight away, generally they're, they're just awesome and they'll fit them in or, you know, really work with us to help people out. So, yeah, we've got some great services. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can can agree with that. I think, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot allied health professionals, even though they're thin on the ground, they do a fantastic job. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I I sort of I always feel confident that if we had someone that had a, a major decline really quickly, that you know I would be able to find another team that would help out at that point. Yeah. So. Susan, what's the best outcome? What's the thing that, that's really, when it's happened for one of your participants, you've sat back and said, I've really made a positive difference in this person's life. What, what have been some of the best outcomes that you've had since you've been a support coordinator for some of your participants? Oh, look, um, I've, ha- I've had a young lady um, who had lived at home all her life and, um, and um, yeah, got her first plan um, last year. Um, so she never went out in community. She never uh, had a job. She'd never um, done anything, really. She'd just stayed home. Yeah, there's some lifestyle stuff happening at home and she needed to have some supports. So we got the plan... Um, in there so you know that was through carer support so the carer was being supported by GCH with our carer support um, and the carer support person came to me and said I think this girl needs a plan so we had a we had a go at it <laughs> and she got a really good plan um, so now and I just I just love this story this this girl now um, is participating in a program Monday to Friday with other people. She um, goes out regularly on a Saturday with support workers. Um, they go and do the most amazing things. They just have so much fun and go and do whatever she wants to do, you know. She's con- accessing community. Her whole life and demeanour, her whole, you know, look on, on, on society has changed. She's just absolutely wonderful and she's loving it you know just absolutely loving it for someone who you know when I first went in she was yeah didn't want to talk she was quite you know um quiet but she's just I, I just look at her I look at I think every day it's just such a win and NDIS did that for her you know she gave her the opportunity to have those supports and have that um ability to get out in community and She's also got some physical um, stuff that for her um, that we're working on as well, and um, and look, you know that that's improving as well, and she's really participating in that improvement with her health as well. So, 
you know, that was that's fabulous. Really good outcome for her. Yeah. You know, we have those little wins all the time where you have that fist pump moment where you just go, Yes. <laughs> that's what we needed to happen. And you know, for me that's not a win for me, that's a win for the participant and a win for their families and carers and significant others that um, you know, really um, struggle sometimes and, and it's it's hard sometimes for them. So, you know, those little wins are great. Um, yeah. And we have them, you know, often. <laughs> which is good. Which is which is the point, which is what we what we want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Susan, anyone who's thinking that this might be something they might want to do as a career, what would, what would your advice be to them? Do it. That's great. Like, you have, I suppose for me, though, I've always been a people person. I love working with people and I love um, seeing people grow and shift and change and that's, you know, my background's in diversional therapy and um, and I think this is what we can do as a support coordinator. And as I said, you have the fist pumping moments, but you also have the moments where you put your head on the desk and want to bang because <laughs> there are days where, you know, things don't quite go to, to go to plan and, you know, but anyway, you've just got to find an alternative way and get around it. And it, it is about that too. It's about being creative and um, and also but enjoying your participants and um, get, getting them to understand and, and work with you to make the plan happen. Um, and that's, you know, that's what support coordination for me is about. And I tell people all the time, come and work with us, come and be a support coordinator. Yeah, it's great. Um, I I find it just fabulous. I get great outcomes. Some days I struggle, and other days I'm like, yes. So, <laughs> but it is full on. It's a very busy job. Um, you are, you know, you never know what's going to come. Some days, some days are, are like the phone rings and you pick it up, and there goes your day. Uh, <laughs> so um, other days. You know, you just sit here and bang away at getting all the things done that you need to get done. I love to be, I love the creative side of being a support coordinator and thinking outside the square and trying to make things happen for people. Um, doing a lot of research and finding things on the net that, you know, they may be available for these people. Um, and, and how we can make that a great experience for everyone. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's sometimes challenging, but it's mainly very, very, very rewarding. Well said, well said, and uh, and I can vouch having worked uh, literally alongside Susan quite a few times that she puts in uh, a massive amount of work and gets a lot of good outcomes. So, and that's what the NDIS is all about. It's all about getting best outcomes for some of the most vulnerable people in our society. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast and talking a bit about support coordination in NDIS. No worries. It's been wonderful. Um, I've really enjoyed it, um, Gareth. So, yeah, I hope people, um, you know, will listen and understand it a little bit better um, and, you know, uh, look at, at their options and, and get the best out of their support coordinators if they have it in their plan. And if they don't and they struggle, they need to go back and ask for it.
thank you again to Susan Power for coming on the Community is Amateur Name podcast, talking all things NDIS and support coordination. And hopefully we've answered some questions that you may have had or um, some queries that you may have not known the answer to when uh, when thinking about the NDIS, because like I said in the intro, it does get mentioned a lot in the news and it affects so many people in this country. Really important that we get the NDIS right. This has been the Community is Amateur Name podcast, brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health, of course, operates across Western Victoria, across a huge range of local government areas, almost across the South Australian border, so it's a pretty big area that we cover. For more information about GCH and our services, go to our website, which is gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday, 53587400, or we have offices in Arat, Stall and Horsham that you can drop in and get some information there as well. Don't forget that you can find out more about us. I know what you want to find out everything about GCH. You can find out more on social networking. So facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health is our Facebook page. And if you're on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow us on both of those with the same handle at GCH Grampians. Just search for that and you will find us. It'll also pop up if you put us into Google as well. You can listen to and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, anywhere basically. Podcast Addicts, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us. And if you do follow us, if you do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Please leave a written review. That would be really cool if you could do that and helps people find the show. Or let us know how you listen. If you're listening on Spotify, for example, or if you are listening via the Podbean app, or if you do listen on Apple or one of the other podcast catchers, shoot us a line. Let us know how you listen to the show. And of course, if you subscribe, you never miss an episode, which is even better. This podcast was, of course, recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabwarong people, and we'd like to pay our respects to all elders past, present, and emerging. The intro and outro music is an original composition by Andrew Parsons, which he made specifically for this show. So thank you very much, Parso. We use that with his permission. Beautiful piece of music. I think I say that every week, but it's so nice and calming to hear that intro and outro before we, uh, you hear us speaking. That's it for this week. My name is Gareth Olver. I hope you guys have enjoyed this week's Community is Amateur Name podcast. Be sure to check back in again next week. We should have another podcast coming out just before Easter. So until then, I will say so long from myself and from Grampians Community Health who are here for you, your family, and of course, for our community.